0: I'm Chris Avena with American Outdoor News. In today's episode, we
1: have Michael Edgehouse from CutRight Mobile App. Mike, thanks for coming on. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk about this cool thing that we did. Now, technology is really just
0: flying like, you know. Yeah. Uh, every day there's something new. Now, <clears throat> the the CutRight Mobile App basically mm-hmm. teaches you how to Field Dress, Butcher, it everything that you need to
1: know about after the shot is on this app? That's 100% correct. So, you know, I remember that the synthesis for the idea of this app um, came for me when I was working on a, another little side project I had. And I remember killing my first uh, bull elk and walking up to the thing and thinking... What in the hell am I supposed to do with this? It's the size of a horse. Knowing I've, I mean, I've growing up in Ohio, I've field dressed hundreds of deer, right? You know, all of us outside the high school shooting deer on opening day, blah, 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 hanging them from the oak tree in the front lawn. And I remember desperately when there was no cell service in the mountains trying to get. A YouTube video to pop up on my phone of how to field dress this elk knowing damn well that it's the exact same as a deer it's just five times the size but with no reception whatsoever cursing my phone cursing everything and then just diving into it I mean you know I didn't download any videos or whatnot so fast forward a couple years from that and I'm doing some education teaching people how to field dress and stuff and I said you know this would make a really great app. Um, it actually came from one of the guys, John Gabriel, that helped design our logo. He said, Mike, you're an amazing educator, but the future is in digital. The future is being able to take edu- education. I love the idea of having an in-person class, but if you can digitize this, now you can have a career in this and now you can do this. The The classes are great, but you need to go mobile. And so, uh, Chris, I reached out. This is a true story. I reached out to uh, my partners at Got Game Tech. I sent a cold email. They had no clue who I was whatsoever. And I sent an email to Taylor and I said, pitched him my idea in about three sentences. And I remember specifically, it was two years ago in June, about 7.30 in the morning, I was having my coffee on the back porch. It took him, and he'll attest to this, about 35 seconds to call me on the phone. And I answered, (laughs) not knowing the number Today is Michael. And he said, Mike, it's Taylor from Got Game Tech. And I said, holy hell, I emailed you less than a minute ago. And he said, I know I'm going on, I'm going up elk scouting right now. I need to talk to the other three partners, but I think I can speak for them. We're in nothing like this exists. It'll help so many people we're in. And from there, we've spent the past two years filming, um, what you said is 100% correct, Chris. It is, we're 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 billing it as the only digital tool you need in your kill kit. So it is a mobile app that's available on the App Store or Google Play Store. Right now, we have field dressing doing the gutless method for both deer and elk. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get a spring bear this year. Rather, I didn't get a spring bear this year. Mine is trying really hard. Um, we got one last year, but weren't super excited about the footage and the way it came out. And so we didn't want to put it on the app. Um, but you field dress, gutless method, elk and deer, and there are different modules on there. Uh, and then we have it at the butcher block as well. So I walk through butchering all of the cuts on an elk and a deer uh, on your own. So you don't have to take your animal to the butcher or anything else. Um, now, uh, it, that, go explain, ahead. explain the gutless method
0: versus... The traditional
1: absolutely and and i <laughs> i had a conversation with uh some guys in pennsylvania yesterday about this and i'll never gut an animal again unless unless i'm trying to get <laughs> unless i'm trying to get the call fat out to like wrap meatballs up or you know i have a plan with the call fat i'm never going to do that so the gutless method versus the gut method let's start with the gut method first right you have to ideally You want to, you know, cut a hole around the bunghole, pull it out, tie it off so you don't spill, you know, fecal matter all over your meat. Then you slice up that abdominal cavity to the sternum. You can reach your arm all the way up in there and grab everything in the throat, cut it out, and it all comes out in one nice big fell swoop. The problem with gutting an animal, one, you got blood all over you now, Mm -hmm. right? There's no amount of glove that can cover up to your elbow to prevent you from getting covered and all that stuff. You have the gut pile to deal with, and uh, it, it's just kind of messy. And what what are you left with? You're left with a whole carcass with the pelt on that still has its legs, its neck meat, and its back straps and loins attached, uh-huh. right? Wh- which is fine. If you're taking the animal out and you're going to hang it in your garage, you know, it's, it's November in New York or Pennsylvania or Ohio, and you have the ability to do that, that's fine. But now you have to, if you're taking that animal out, that way you have a whole animal to drag out and i know white tailed deer which i grew up hunting and still hunt you know that's doable but when you get to a big mule deer you get to an elk even a small cow there that is not happening unless you have a side by side that's a lot to drag out yes so what happens with the gutless method you kill the animal you walk up on it you don't even go into that abdominal cavity So what you're going to do, if you can picture this and the listeners can picture this, you go at the base of the skull with your knife and you run a line from the base of the skull all the way down to the tail, okay? And that's your initial cut. And then what you're going to do, and this is all detailed on the app as well and shows exact cuts, where to do it. You're basically going to remove the skin, pull it down from that back strap area, and then you're going to cut around the legs, the lower legs, the front and the back, and pull that skin up or continue to pull down, and you're basically taking the pelt off in pieces that way. And now with the front shoulder, when you take that off, that's pretty easy. There's no bony attachment on the front shoulder, right? It's all muscles, So and they're not huge, even on an elk. They're big, but not undoable with one person. You lift it up, you cut that off, it comes off pretty easy. Where most people get super frustrated with the gutless method (laughs) is that hind quarter. Because just like humans that have a hip with a socket and then that ball of the femur that goes in, that damn thing is, it it can be really hard to find. And then you're also dealing with the fact that the guts are starting to expand because gases and bacteria are building up since the animal's dead. And Mm -hmm. that's right there. But if you know where that is, and again, I mean, this is about the app. I walk through on the app the muscles actually point directly to where that ball is on the hind quarter. You don't have to worry about the guts if you know how those muscles point. Yep. Going to go down, you take your knife, and you release that ball from the ball and socket. You cut up the face of that pelvis, and you literally are going to lift. I mean, on an elk, it can be, you know, a 60, 70, 80-pound hind quarter, completely up, and you're basically taking the front and back leg off of the animal on each side. So you're Um, quartering it and taking the back straps. That's what you're doing. You're quartering it, taking the back straps, but. And the mount if you want it. Right. But you're not really quartering it because you're not taking the spinal column and the ribs and everything else. You know, I get the rib meat and that meat that covers the rib to make like a roulette on and stuff like that. Um, But you're not spilling guts at all. It's never, it's never coming on your hand. You don't ever have to worry about it. There's even yep. a super cool way after you pull the back straps off, you know, someone that's never done it says, well, you have to go in the gut cavity to get the tenderloin. And no. you, 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 it's the tenderloin sits on top of that gut cavity, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go in it. If you know where it is, and we walk you through that too, it's right below the vertebrae where the back strap that you took off. You know, it's a simple, small little cut. And honestly, I mean, you've removed them a ton. I yeah. use the knife one cut, one time on the tenderloin to release it from the front. And then the whole thing pulls out with your hand and you don't need to use your knife again. So it's it's very safe. It keeps you clean. Um, What I found personally, Chris, especially hunting out here in northern Idaho, sometimes time is of the essence. You kill an animal at 10 a.m., you don't have a lot of time to get it done. And the gutless method is fast, right? I mean, once you get it down, you do a couple animals, you have some guidance there, it is fast, right? And you never... I mean, your hands get bloody because you cut that femoral artery and stuff. But sure. you're not getting fecal matter. You're not getting urine all over yourself. It's great. It really is great.
0: I'm a traditionalist. I've always done the traditional field dressing. And yep. uh, I've taught I don't know how many people how to do it. Um, yep. And if you're not hunting with somebody that
1: is familiar,
0: you, you really shouldn't take the shot. Unless, I you know.
1: That's that's a huge thing. Uh, with what's going on out here in Idaho, we're getting a lot of people moving in, right? Um, and resident tags in Idaho are affordable. They're extremely affordable. And everybody that has never hunted in their life from states that aren't as easy to get tags in or that are located next to the water over on the West Coast, things along those lines, they've never hunted. They go out by a gun, they get their tag, and they go out and they gut shot animals, they shoot animals, you know, in areas that, I mean, an experienced hunter, the most exp- I would never shoot an animal in some of the areas. And they're like, oh, I shot it. And then they don't know what the heck to do with it. And they take <laughs> back straps or they take whatever they can and they get the heck out of there. And, you know, I can't tell you some of the remote areas where I've walked up and I've seen the head and back taken off an animal and the whole thing's laying there just rotting. And, you know, the, that's one of the ideas with this app, like- It's tragic. Yeah, it's tragic, but if you don't have somebody to go with you, you might be a good, you know, outdoorsman and fieldsman, but not a good, you know, person with a knife, not, you always needed somebody there. That's where where CutRight comes in. It is that person there with you. I mean, some of the videos are a bit longer, right? They're like 10 minutes or so, but it walks you through step-by-step. Step. And, and the key feature that, we definitely wanted to instill on this app to help people like that is all the videos are downloadable. So it, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you have cell phone reception, internet or not, you can simply, you know, you're going deer hunting, you know, you yep. have no idea what the hell you're doing with the hind quarter. You download that video, right? You I tell know you it, it, one, one
0: of the freakiest things to field dress. If you've never done it before, is a yep. there? Oh, Man, it, it's like you're field dressing a person. <laughs> it,
1: you are, you're striking a chord with me. I, I think you and I have had this chat or, or me and somebody else just recently had this chat. I am so enamored with bear. Like I, both the meat, the flavor, everything about bear. I love it, but I agree with you hundred percent. Whereas with the elk and deer, it's really those shoulders and those hips that are huge muscles and like the forearms yep. aren't that big. Man, Chris, you know, when you cut open that bear, their biceps and triceps aren't that big. It's their damn forearms. It's their huge. Cat. It's it it's it's so person like, right? And you take it off and you realize you're like, wait a minute, this thing on an elk is like the size of a tennis ball, but on the bear, it's the size of a volleyball. Yeah. But the upper leg is small, and you're like, it's it is freaky as hell. I agree with you on that.
0: You know, I was hunting with some friends and um I get a text, my son just shot a bear. Can you come help? Uh-huh. So yeah, sure. I climb out of my stand. I hop on my ATV. I zip over across to where they are, which was probably about 300 acres away. Yep. And uh, I get there. I'm like, well, where's the bear? They're like, it's over in the weeds. And I had my bow and it was, you know, bear season. So here in New York, bear season, early bear season, you could hunt with any weapon boss sure. bow bow rifle i had my bow yeah so um he shot it with his rifle and i'm like um where is it He says, over in the weeds i said is it dead i don't know <laughs> I said, did you check it <laughs> no <laughs> well, i said all right i said um chamber around yeah he's like i don't have any more bullets Oh my like, oh, god. Oh Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> this just got
0: blessed. <laughs> I go over there and I poke it with the stick. Thing is dead. Yeah. He, he shot it three times with a with a uh 06. Oh yeah, yeah. That's going down. So I gotta I go to grab it and drag it over, and my hand goes into like a fist-sized hole in his shoulder. Oh shit. so <laughs> so <laughs> <It's dead. laughs> I start dragging it, and him and his dad are there watching. I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is your bear. I'm like, get over here and help me drag it. That's correct. That's we, correct. We drag it over to a clear area, and I walked him through how to field dress it. And, you know, I had the thing sprawled out on its back, legs and arms and legs sprawled yeah. out. And, and I'm cutting it open. he's like, oh, my God. He's like, that looks like a person. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty it freaky. It really does.
1: Well, and that's, you know, you you made a, a good point there with bear. If you want to preserve the pelt for a rug, which I did with my first bear too, you're not going down that spine, right? You're no. coming up on the inside. You're coming up the legs because you want a nice rug, right? But with well, you guys out there in New York, you have big bears, right? Like, you know, it's 400 uh, pound bears. It depends on where, where we were a
0: typical bear in New York, uh, was probably 200 pounds anywhere between like 180 and 250.
1: Okay. Um, you okay. go further north,
0: where I'm going to be going in September, you get three, four, five hundred pound bear. You get big bear.
1: So you know a good bear in northern Idaho is you know five ten to six two. People will argue with me, but that's it. That's a good mature bear. Like you said, anywhere from one eighty to two hundred pounds, that's a big bear. We do get some giants. People killing you know six ten seven foot bears, but those are the exception, not the norm. Um, I'll tell you here's my prediction like you remember I mean you're in New York so you guys get steelhead and stuff there and I grew up in right outside of Cleveland and about 15 years ago fly fishing and steelhead fishing got made super popular by you know the fly fishing film tour and those guys that did that they they showed young guys fishing with heavy metal music then all of a sudden every 20 something on the planet started fly fishing and we lost all our favorite holes right Yep. And what happened with elk hunting about six years ago, Born and Raised made that awesome series, Land of the Free, Part 1, really put elk hunting like, man, this is cool, right? Not People not knowing how actual hard it is. Now they do because the likes of, you know, Cameron Haynes and those guys, which are awesome, showing everybody like, hey. It's this a is tough hunt. It's it's, not a, a, it's it's physically a, draining. You're damn right. But what's happened to elk hunt, it's hard to get a tag. Yeah. I think if people – want to get their bear hunting in they really should do it at at least in the west in the next three years because I have a feeling you know bear tags are easy to come by in the west right now but I think in three to five years that that animal is just the hunting for it is going to get very very popular personally I love hunting bear in the spring I love hunting bear too the mountain's changing the color's coming up the snow's melting the weather's still there you know, I, I love hunting bear in the spring. And then a couple of my friends and, you know, good chefs that I've met through this business have said, have you had fall bear yet? And I said, no, I haven't. And they said, that's going to change your life when you have a fall bear. After- we only
0: we only have fall bear here.
1: Oh, so this, this year, no, no shit. This year, I'm elk hunting for a couple days with my son. Hopefully we'll kill a couple elk because we've, put about seven years of scouting and we know where they're at and what they do. And then I'm dedicating fall to bear hunting. I, I want a fall bear. I want to be able to cook it. I really want the bear fat. I mean, those things I've never made biscuits with bear fat. And like, from what I heard or, or, you know, pie crust with bear fat, I heard it's amazing. Never did that. Oh, I, I, and I heard the shelf life of bear fat. Like when you render it down, it's, it's forever if you put it in a mason jar like you get but you know yep. lard forever
0: my uh my friend has property up in the adirondack which is you uh-huh. know, probably about five hours up yeah and i was with them last week and he's showing me pictures of bears on his camera and he's his smallest bear was 300 pounds oh, uh three very- four five hundred pound bear he shot at one 350 last year um yeah. So I'm up there in September. I'm uh, I'm getting a new rug.
1: <laughs> well, that's you know I you and I have a have a mutual friend with uh, Mountain Man Deer Processing, and he he and I were talking. I my son, I thirteen year old who who elk hunts a lot, and he's a good killer man. He's way better shot than I am. He busted his ass this year trying to get a bear, and it didn't come to fruition. And yeah. so. You know, I said, you know, I gotta get this kid a bear. So I'm actually, even though we live in Idaho and bear are all around, it's it's hard hunting. Like there's part of me that wants to take him up to Quebec or or BC or somewhere and do one of those amazing bear hunts for one of those six, seven hundred pound giants.
0: Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, you know, I, I went. Know. I know. went to Maine bear hunting and you know, Maine's known for their bear hunting. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I came home with was a cooler full of lobster. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that's, a, that's a pretty good ancillary prize <laughs> it was a bonus yeah I was say, it's not too bad but yeah i agree with you chris bear hunting man it has a special place for me it's it people people don't understand the value of controlling the predator population as well how, what it does for the ungulate population i mean yep. They are devastating too. Like right now, all the fawns and calves are dropping, and and those bears are just feasting. So controlling the predators is huge out here in the West.
0: Yeah, we we took uh, we had a club in um, su- uh, Sullivan County, yeah. southern southern tier, New York. We had six hundred acres. We had more bear than deer. We would take more bear than deer on that property every year, and they just exactly. sold the property off. So. You know, they, I don't know where the bear were going to go, but um, there were more bear than deer on that property. We didn't have to worry about the coyotes. We had to worry about the bear.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I got a funny story about bear meat because it has quickly become my favorite meat. I mean, now, albeit, if you shoot a, a one-year-old doe, um, that's delicious. If you yep. shoot a one-year-old elk, that's delicious. But a bear... You know, I cooked it and my son, both my sons, they love it. They say that it is a cross between elk or whitetail and moose cow. <laughs> and I, I agree with that. And and so this is good. My wife refuses to eat bear, right? I I grind when I grind my bear for burgers, I grind it with a 15% bacon. So it kind of gives you an essence of bacon, not full on like bacon in your face. Yeah. Almost like you're drinking like a uh bacon stout beer or something just a little flavor of bacon in there right and so she's like I'm not eating that and my two sons and I are like why aren't you eating that she's like it's a bear I'm not eating it I don't eat bear or deer and my 13 year old starts cracking up and I know what he's gonna do and I look at him and I like whack him on the side of the arm and say just shut the hell up don't don't Luke don't and he don't say it don't laughing. do it he's like mom you have no idea how much deer you've actually eaten. And she looks at me, I mean, like steam coming out of her ears. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, yeah, I I may have cooked, you know, a lot of deer over the past three years and just said it was elk. And you really liked it. And she's like, you've been feeding me deer instead of elk. I'm like, no, not all the time. But we only have like, we only have so much meat. So yeah, you've eaten a lot of deer. And she was she was just like, I can't believe you did that. And if I said, they don't know, yeah,
0: they'll say it. And especially if you know how to cook, which brings us to the next section of the app. You have a cooking section, which yes. you, you're talking my language here.
1: Yes. Um, and I, if they don't know that it's – I mean, you can make – what's that line from Pulp Fiction? You can make sewer rat taste like pumpkin pie, but I'm not eating the damn thing, right? <laughs> I mean, if you know how to cook, it's delicious. So – so yeah, man, the you only get a limited time, like the it's out there like September, November, all that time is finite, right? You get yep. most most places you get one tag a year. So you feel dressed, you butcher, but now you have all this great meat. So over the past, you know, I've always cooked, but over the past four years, I've really been hammering the the wild game cooking and uh doing some crazy stuff. You know, like experimenting. I go to restaurants with with my wife and family, and I'll take pictures of the food, and I'll I'll ask the waitress or the waiter, you know, or the chef, like
0: hey, what's, what's in it,
1: this, what's in it, and then I'll think about what they did with moo cow or something on those lines, and say, well, you know, parsley parsley oil doesn't pair well with elk, but if I made like a rosemary or sage oil, that would taste a lot better with that gameplay, and and kind of doctor it up. So a lot of yep a lot of the recipes, I don't want to say they're stolen because they're not, but the inspiration comes from other places, right? And then you're right. I just, you know, everything from learning to put cornstarch as the first layer instead of flour when I deep fry heart, because it absorbs the oil more and doesn't make it like the crust fall off to, you know, I had, one of my best friends retired from the Marine Corps this year. And as a retirement gift to him, we went on a whitetail hunt out here in Idaho. He'd never hunted before. And it funny story, the deer pops out, you know, a nice doe. And I said, you could take that one about 120 yards. And he's in the scope and he looks at me and he's never hunted before. Right. He's, he's a city guy. He just came back from Okinawa. And I'm like, Matt, are you going to shoot that deer? And he's like, well, I'm a little torn. And I said, why are you torn? And he said, well, I've never shot a deer, but I've also never seen a deer poop before either. And this deer's pooping right now. So he was watching this deer (laughs) poop through this rifle. Wait for it to finish. He's like, I feel bad. And I was like, well, just wait for it to finish. And thank God he did. Because a beautiful buck popped out at like 360 yards and you know, I, I shoot a 30-06 I've had my entire life. It's a rusty barrel, you know, hanging on for dear life. And he looks at me and he says, is your gun good at 356 yards? And I said, I, I mean, it's, I shoot everything like 200 yards. Like it probably is. everything." Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, he made an amazing shot. This nice buck dropped right away. And I looked at him and said, man, like th- I, that was a great shot. 300 and some yards, like never hunted before. And you know, he said, I've actually been practicing the past 23 years of my career for this moment. It just wasn't for this moment, you know, being a Marine. Yep. And so we came back to the house and, you know, enjoying a quite a few adult beverages. And he loves tartar and I've loved tartar. And so we looked up a bunch of tartar recipes and I've never done it with, with venison before. And I, we kind of combined, made some special oils and I'll tell you what, that venison tartare, which isn't on the app now, but it's on my Instagram, it will be out on the app like at I have 30 some recipes on it now, and yep. probably another 40 to 50 set to go with the updated version that'll be coming out, even though the first version just launched. Um, it was legitimately two ways. It's the best thing I ever made, and it's the best thing I've ever eaten. And I've eaten a lot of stuff across the country and across That's the world. That's great. It was, you know, those certain things. And Chris, you probably made those dinners where you cut into something. You're like, holy hell, that is delicious. And I can't believe I just made it. I just did that.
0: (laughs) What was it? (laughs) Well, I do the uh, cooking section for the magazine, American Outdoor News. Yeah. And I had a rabbit and I never cooked a rabbit before. Uh huh. So I'm like kind of tossing some ideas around in my head. I said, maybe I'll just wrap it in bacon. Everything's good wrapped in bacon. And I'm like, ah, that's plate. Everybody does bacon. So I'm in the grocery store and I see some andouille sausage. I'm like, oh, I like andouille. So mm-hmm. I grab some of that. And I'm thinking I grab some garlic, some onions, then uh I text my friend Scott Lason, the um game chef. Yeah. I'm like, Scott, I have a rabbit to cook. Um, this is what I'm thinking, you know, with the andouille, the garlic, and he's like, Oh, you can add some red wine and some stock and uh, maybe toss in some rice at the end. So we kind of collaborated on a new recipe, and I got to
1: tell you, it came out
0: amazing.
1: It's, sounds kind of like it's a little cottontail gumbo-esque type stew. It was. I it mean, was. Oh, and, man. And I
0: gave some to my father, who is not an outdoorsman, does yep. not like game food. I told him it was chicken. I mean, oh, you you so pull cool. on it, it's white meat. It pulls off like okay. chicken. Yep. So next day he's like, "Oh my god, that chicken was amazing." I said, "I'm so glad you <laughs> like it." It was rabbit. <laughs> it was
1: cottontail. It was a little peter <laughs> cottontail. You're you know that goes same with my wife. They don't know what the hell they're eating. They they're going to love it. Yep. So so here's one for you with the with the deer and stuff you've killed. Have you taken the sirloin cap and actually cooked it as a steak or do you do what like yeah probably 95% of the hunting public does and just throw it in the grind. Have you made it a
0: steak? I've done steaks. I've done chicken fried steaks. I've done, do you like veal sorrentino? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Venison sorrentino. Amazing, really amazing. Okay,
1: Okay. so this is one. So I, you know, butchering one of my son's deer. I saw that, you know, I know what the sirloin cap is. It was a very small deer. And I saw this and I thought, you know, most people throw this into the grind pile because you take that sterling cap, the rounds off, the hindquarters done, and you have like this flap of meat hanging off near the head of the femur, right? Most people just cut that off. They're like, ah, it's squishy. There's no uniformity to it. Throw it in the grind pile. I said, no, no, no. And I kept it. And so we made steaks. You know, my wife wanted a moo cow steak. The boys wanted elk and I wanted to do the sirloin cap. I cook all my wild game minus bear to 129 degrees, right? So I cook it and we're sitting there eating and I'm cutting it. And I am legitimately, as I'm eating this, I'm going, "Mm, mm." and my wife looks at me up at me from across the table. She says, what in the hell is wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, You're like groaning and stuff like you're kind of making me a little nauseous. And I said, honest to God, Kristen, I will put this sirloin cap up against any moo cow steak I have ever, ever had. And she's like, it's from a damn deer. And I was like, it is that good. And I tell you now every and we've always cooked them, But every animal we kill, that is like people, people love backstrap tenderloin. Kind of like you said with bacon, like some of that's overplayed. Everyone does it. Everyone loves that. Yep. That sirloin cap, people are missing the boat if they don't take that and just cook it to 129. And I, I've gotten in the habit now, I, I don't even cook stuff on the grill. I sear it in cast iron and bacon. Bacon of cast iron. Cast iron. I put a hell of a good coating of, you know, seasoning on it. I throw it in sizzling bacon fat. And then I throw it in a 400 degree oven to get the uniformity and the doneness. There's no other way to cook a, snake, a steak. If you're still cooking it on, on a grill, you're not doing it right. Do you think. like
0: Thai food? I love Thai food, yeah. Thai Massaman venison curry. That sounds delicious. I, I can get behind that. I my, the- <laughs> uh, I cooked it at, at uh, I made it at uh, deer camp, and these guys were like orgasming. They're like, oh my God, oh, this shit. is like, the best thing they ever had. And uh, that's so one I, That's one of my top three venison dishes.
1: So one of my top elk dishes, right? You We've heard of, of Thai, Thai beef basil or Thai basil beef, right? Sure. It's pretty wild. You know, it's a little bit of fish sauce. A little, little bit spice. Of yeah, a little spice, not a much. It depends on what kind of peppers you throw into it. That, because, you know, most people take that bottom round from an animal. It's kind of rough. They turn it into jerky, which is delicious. Yeah. But I take it, I slice it you know, into three or four sheets, pound it super thin, slice it into strips, and I make Thai basil elk out of it. And wow. it's you know, I do it at I do it at Elk Camp as well. But just like you, we're talking you sear it in a hot walk, you throw everything, it's like an eight-minute meal, right? It takes 15 minutes to prep, about eight minutes to cook. Yep. You know, people say that they don't have time to deal with the wild game and everything. It's like you just don't have the recipes to do it. Uh you know, you
0: know Deer Camp, we had uh me and My friend, Matt, uh, he's got a YouTube channel also. Yeah. Um, We ate gourmet every time we were up there. It was like a contest, who made the better dish, him or me. And I I love that. It was beautiful.
1: (laughs) The only thing that I don't make from scratch when I'm at Elk Camp, whether it's with you know the grown-ups that uh, my adult hunting partners or my my sons because i take them out on hunts every year i have an eight-year-old and 13-year-old the only thing i don't make from scratch are mashed potatoes i will use instant mashed potatoes out here and i don't
0: you just killed me man
1: <laughs> ah, I, I know but mashed potatoes are so such a pain in the ass there's so much cleanup from the starch and the mashed potatoes that El- yep. don't You know, if I use those Idaho potatoes, which are, they're fine. They're manageable. We don't eat a ton of mashed potatoes, but I'll oftentimes, you know, do crispy kind of fried potatoes in the skill like hash brown style or cube style. But every once in a while, a mashed potato, especially after a real long day, you grill up some meat, you do some veggies. Like I love shishito peppers with wild game. Okay. Like to me, you know, some grocery stores, the shishito peppers – are super spicy but for the most part they're mild pepper with a great flavor and they just complement wild game so i'll i'll saute those up i'll grill some meat and just for the carb because after a 10 mile day you need the carb we'll do some some instant mashed potatoes that's that's a go-to that's like a de facto meal at elk and you don't have to carry them to to, uh, elk camp (laughs) yeah you don't have to carry 20 (laughs) pounds of freaking potatoes (laughs) and you carry you carry six little things (laughs) all right i'll give you that yeah, there you go. I mean the it's idea. Practicality. Is you, you wanna you wanna come out heavy, not go in heavy, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh shoot, that's awesome. Yeah, so funny. happy to hear other people cook the way I do it at their hunting camps.
0: Well, you know, I, I'm sure both of us will be coming out
1: with a cookbook soon. Yeah, that's a there's the plan. Like I said I have I have about 50 more recipes fired up that I've been working on and you know, I don't know, I just I just posted a whole whole thing on Instagram about uh, taking a bear top round, butterflying it out, pounding it thin, and stuffing it. I've done it with back straps a hundred times. I never thought about bear. And uh, it really, it turned out amazing. You know, I stuffed it with a little goat cheese, some roasted nuts, nice. a little bit of green, so a little bit of wilted spinach. And then I was going to do just shrimp you know, kind of like, it was kind of a play on like bear like to eat seafood. So we're going to put some seafood in it and salmon wasn't the right thing. And as we are I was thinking about it, kind of like you, I was walking through the grocery store. I'm like, it needs some level of spice in there. So I bought some chorizo. And so I stuffed it with goat cheese, pine nuts, a little wilted spinach, and then chopped shrimp and chorizo and nice. put it on a smoker. And oh, I got that bear to, I think I pulled it at like 162 and Man, it was delicious. It was another one of those meals where my wife, I'm like groaning while I'm eating. And my wife's like, seriously, you can't eat that shit around me. The the one thing about bear is it
0: has to be cooked well because you don't want to get
1: trigonosis. But even if it's cooked well, it's still a juicy meat. It's the weirdest thing. You are preaching. I, I had a group of people and I cooked young venison, adult elk backstrap, and then bear top round, and I grilled them because we didn't have you know a good oven at the time. And I grilled the venison and elk to 129, and I grilled the elk because I wanted to be uber careful. This was just a group of friends, to, or the bear to 172. When I pulled it out, I let everything rest. I cut it, blood pouring everywhere from the deer and elk, as it should. And I cut that bear; juices were pouring out, but it was ashen gray on the inside. And everyone's like, yep. "That is way overcooked." And so I cut it up, you know, so you could put a toothpick in it and taste everything. There was the majority of the elk and the deer left, and that bear was gone. <laughs> People were like, I have never had bear, and it is delicious. I did the same thing, and and they were like licking the pan. They couldn't get enough bear. Well, it, you know, you said it perfectly. You need to cook it to, I say, 161. Like, the literature mm-hmm. says 160. I always do one above that. I fought tooth and nail with people up here saying, say, no, no, no. It's 147 for like eight hours. I'm like, yeah, you do whatever you want. Enjoy no. trignosis I'm going to get 161, period. The, the safest they-
0: thing to do with a bear, you throw the roast on a smoker for an hour. Yep. Take it off the smoker, throw it in a crock pot.
1: Oh, 100%. Leave it there for three hours. The thing falls apart. I did, uh... All, will one up y'all. You should try this recipe. Check it out. I'll, I'll send you the thing, but it's also on our Instagram. There's barbacoa and I made barbacoa. I took all the bear shanks and I rubbed them, you know, with some oregano and smoked paprika. And I put them on the smoker for three hours, just at 200, right. Just to get that intense smoke and form a little crust. Then I threw them into the Dutch oven and I put a bunch of beef stock and, you know, bay leaves and some onions and some garlic that I sauteed in there. And I braised it for I think it was like seven hours at 275. You know, and when I braise, I put a layer of parchment paper down on top or a layer of tin foil and then I cover it with parchment paper. yeah people look at it like why the hell you do that? I said, Those lids aren't airtight. If you don't put an additional layer down, you're going to evaporate a lot and you're going to end up with this thick paste. And I want it to be a true like juicy. This thing I had, I had a world, a couple world travelers, good friends over for dinner that night, and we'd made street tacos out of it. And he looked at me and he said, Michael, you need to open your own restaurant. And I said, Greg, I got so much other stuff going on. And Aaron, no way in hell I'm going to open a restaurant. And he was like, I've been all over the world eating street tacos like it's our go-to food. These are the best tasting tacos I've ever had in my life. And we hadn't even drank that much at that time. So I know he was, like, <laughs> it was what he was saying. Well, I'll say I I
0: kind of get the same thing when you open yeah. it in a restaurant. Yeah. Food industry sucks. Oh, I mean, man, you couldn't
1: the... pay me enough to open a restaurant. <laughs> Hell no. I'll just do what I'm doing and let other people make it. I've I've teased, I've said I'll have a food truck. But then I think about that. I'm like, man, I don't want to deal with that. Like, think about the excess inventory you're going to have. That yep. ind- you can't legitimately, you know, legally sell wild game to people on the street. And I know I could cook, you know, pork and chicken and beef and mu cow. But man, I I'm a wild game person. Like, I cook my yep. stuff with wild game and I can't sell, sell Is that, that a uh, particular breed of cow, the mu cow? <laughs> so uh, so it, uh, it really is. It's, it's a black and white or a brown and white cow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, you know, I, I think I told you, Chris. I'm a biologist, and I teach, you know, biology at the college here. And you know, I I let my students know just enough about me that you know they don't know my personal life and stuff. And yeah. I made a comment one time teaching an anatomy and physiology class. And I was like, well, a moo cow you know, has this and they chew their cud and stuff. And I had like three guys show up to me after class. And they're like, when did you start hunting? And I said, how did you know I hunt? And he said, nobody calls it a moo cow if you're not a hunter. Because <laughs> out here in Idaho, a cow is an elk. So moo cows are beef, but a cow is an elk. You know, yep. said, I saw a bunch of cow on the side of the road they immediately everyone's like, where at? What was the GPS? What was it? Because they it <laughs> how well. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so that's, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. Funny. Well, yeah. you gotta,
0: if you're ever in New York, you gotta attend one of my all American game dinners. Oh, uh, my I'm, next one the end of January, which is always a wild affair. We uh auction off guns and hunting gear and people are dancing in the aisles having such a good time. Oh, I love it.
1: Well, my, like I said, I grew up in Ohio. My family still lives, you know, outside of Cleveland. My wife grew up in Philadelphia and that's where we met. So, uh, I'll have to look at the calendar and our next scheduled trip to Philadelphia. I'll try to plan it around something like that. That would be just a hoot.
0: It's, uh, my partner does most of the cooking on that, but he's a, he's a outstanding game chef.
1: I love so. it. I love it. I would get some inspiration from him for sure but
0: we're running out of time here. Uh, okay. Where can we find your app, how to field dress and how to find all these amazing re- recipes that we're talking about?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, Chris. So we just launched last week in the app store. So if you go to the, you know, Apple app store, type in cut, right. And that's C U T R I T E, you know, like a rite of passage. So a cut, right. Um, it's there. It's also under cut, right. In the Google play store. Um, We're running, Probably the biggest giveaway that we're ever going to run right now. Um, If you subscribe to the app, you get 10 entries into it. And if you go and Instagram says you can't follow, you can't say follow our partners. You know, we have, we don't receive monetary incentives from any of our partners. We just use their stuff because it's kick-ass products. And I have a list on there, but if you, on the Instagram, if you go and follow them, give them a like, it gets you an extra entry into it. We're giving away a Kafaru backpack um, and frame. I started using Kefaru years ago, full price. I don't receive a dime from them. Um, they're an awesome backpack. We're giving away a shank knife. Best nut hunting, again, I don't receive anything. Like We just use their stuff, some born and raised outdoor, you know, bags, uh, game bags, last lights, uh, a light string for when you kill your animal at night. It runs on a simple battery pack for 12 hours. Ivory Holsters is thrown in a custom, you know, sidearm holster that attaches to your backpack, uh, somewhere on there to carry your firearm, Um, and a few others. It's a truly well over $1,000, probably approaching $2,000 giveaway. You download the app, you get 10 entries, you follow and like a few things, you get an additional entry. You know, it's funny, I'm sure you do this. If you ever do a giveaway, you have all friends that come out of the woodwork and say, like, hey, my email's this and I really need a backpack. And I say, yep. that, that's fantastic. Like, don't work this. that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, man. Like, I'm not screwing over the rest of the public for this. So it's it's all monitored by that. But the best thing about the app right now, you know, to push it, we wanted to make something that when people see it, they're like, hey, that's a great idea. We can do it they can do it. There's no chance in hell they're doing it better. We set the bar so high with this with ourselves, which is why it's been so long in the making. And then we thought, you know what, what's going to be the biggest hitter, the price of the app. Like there's a few others out there that have the butchering and the cooking and the field dressing. And they're close to three figures a year. Ours is 1499. Wow. So it's, you know, it's the cost of going to Dunkin' Donuts and getting a couple of Bavarian creams and a large with cream and sugar and right now until june 30th it's 50% off so it's 750 so um entering to that we are i'm the social media guy for it have never done social media in my life so i'm like floundering along but i post stuff every day recipes um and that's at cut right mobile on instagram um and i do i try to do some funny stuff too like when i cut my finger off cutting kale one of my friends said hey you should make a reel on how to cook dinner that your mom used to make you. And I'm, I mean, no offense to my mom, she was not a cook. And so I made a reel on how to boil hot dogs, put them on a piece of Wonder Bread with ketchup and pickle. And then, you know, growing up in Ohio, you know, we weren't, weren't super wealthy. So the after school snack was saltine crackers with butter smeared in the middle. So saltine and butter sandwiches. So I gave a really detailed reel on how to make a saltine butter sandwich. Perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, man my kids had never had it and they saw me making it and they're like, I'm not eating that. And I put one on each of their plate. I said, try that saltine butter sandwich. I swear to Christ, my kids asked for it now. They're like, Hey, can you make some more of those butter sandwiches? <laughs> like they're really good. aren't they? <laughs> well, my, my mom was a great cook.
0: That's yeah. where I, that's where I learned to cook. Yep. Unfortunately I, she was not the most conscientious of what she was cooking with and where, no. you know, she would put things. I bit into one of her meatballs, which my mother's meatballs are famous. Everybody in town knew about her meatballs. Uh, I love it. I bit into one of her meatballs and I found one of her fake nails. Oh,
1: shoot. <laughs> was at least it was a fake nail and not a piece of a finger that I cut off. <laughs> I, I was
0: grateful for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, Chris. Oh my gosh, what a great story. So, so yeah, we're in the app store, we're in the Google Play Store at, at CutRight. um, Instagram at CutRight Mobile post every day, recipes on there that aren't on the app yet, but will eventually be there over the next year. And you know, right now the app has elk and deer on it. By the end of the year, we're hoping we've we all put in for antelope tags. We're gonna do bear, like it's no no place but up. And growing up in Ohio, man, I was a bluegill crappie fisherman, and so we're also planning to get some fish on there, some pikes, some bluegill recipes, perch, crappie, which is amazing, as everyone knows. Yes, it uh, is. So, you know. It, really the sky's the limit with this. And, you know, the price is what it is. It's, it's cheaper than, you know, a coffee and a breakfast sandwich at your favorite establishment.
0: All right. I appreciate your time. Good hey. luck with the app. It's definitely worth downloading because even the experience hunter needs a hand once in a while.
1: I I appreciate it, man. I, that's what we tried to do, cover all of our bases. All right. Thanks again. And uh, we'll
0: definitely speak to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chris we love our children we protect them we guide them we prepare them for life in the world with all that we do from deep in our hearts we cannot control all things life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year
1: while we cannot change the circumstance we can make dreams come true dreams to provide hope to provide spiritual healing and strength to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.